Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Tuesday, June 8th, and this is your FT News Briefing. U.S. officials say they've recovered some of the ransom money paid to Colonial Pipeline hackers. American drug regulators greenlight a controversial Alzheimer's treatment. And Mexico's president loses support in recent elections. Plus, Abu Dhabi is investing billions of dollars into arts and media. What they're trying to do is double down on this process of broadening the the economy away from oil. And they've identified creative industries as a key aspect of that drive. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Remember last month's hack on the Colonial Pipeline, the one that disrupted fuel supplies and caused panic buying at gas stations on the U.S. East Coast? The pipeline company ended up paying a ransom worth nearly $4.5 million in Bitcoin. But yesterday, U.S. officials said they recovered about half of those funds. They did so after identifying a virtual wallet used by the ransomware hacking group DarkSide. Now, it is rare to recover ransom from a cyber hack, since the criminals usually demand payment in anonymous cryptocurrencies. But the transactions are done on a blockchain, which is like a fixed virtual ledger. So investigators have a chance to track them. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration on Monday approved the first new treatment for Alzheimer's disease in almost two decades. It's called aducanumab. It's made by Biogen, and the company claims the drug slows down the progression of Alzheimer's by breaking up clumps of plaque that form in the brain. Biogen stock skyrocketed on the news. It was up more than 50% at one point on Monday. The FT's Nico Asgari explains why investors are so enthusiastic despite continued debate over whether the drug actually works. In their clinical trials, they trialed the drug on people with mild to moderately severe Alzheimer's. But the label of the drug says that it's available to treat anyone with Alzheimer's. So whether you're at the early stage or at the late stage, you're eligible to take this drug. And also you're eligible to pay $56,000 for a yearly course of this, which is huge. It's highly expensive. And obviously, as an investor, that's a good thing because the market is open for Biogen. There's a huge potential revenue stream here for them. Niku Asgari covers U.S. pharmaceuticals for the FT. In Mexico this weekend, voters went to the polls for a midterm election. The results weren't great for President Andres Manuel López Obrador, or AMLO, as he's called. His ruling party lost its supermajority in Congress, but it still has a simple majority. Our correspondent in Mexico City, Jude Weber, says considering the circumstances, it could have been worse. In the middle of a pandemic when Mexico has been really clobbered by COVID and with a recession that's been very brutal, and even though Mexico is recovering fast, it still is not on course to recover to pre-pandemic levels this year or probably even next year. To have achieved this is is still, you know, to maintain his majority is still, you know, quite a feat. But I think this is a wake-up call for AMLO and obviously now we need to see what he does with it. But losing his supermajority is significant. It means AMLO's party no longer has the power to change the Constitution. And that makes it harder to carry out his ambitious economic goals. 
The big question had been, if he does badly in the elections, will he become more radical? Because he has a vision of the transformation, he calls it the fourth transformation of Mexico. It's to put the poor people first, to make Mexico energy and food self-sufficient. Now what people are saying is that instead of doubling down on, on those goals or his, his preferred route to achieve the goals that he set himself, now it's time to be much more pragmatic. It's time for him to start looking to his legacy and that if he doesn't do this, then he will go down as the president of, you know, very, very little growth. That's the FT's Mexico and Central America correspondent, Jude Weber. Abu Dhabi plans to invest billions of dollars to build up a more creative economy. The Gulf Emirate already has its own Louvre Museum. It's a partnership with the world-famous gallery in Paris. And Abu Dhabi committed over $2 billion to various cultural projects. Now, it's pledged to invest $6 billion more of post-pandemic stimulus money in museums and media and other arts ventures. Our Gulf correspondent, Simeon Kerr, joins me now to talk more about this. Hey, Simeon. Hello. So what's Abu Dhabi planning to do with all these billions of dollars? Right now, what we're seeing is that the government wants to invest a lot of money into creating new institutions the Zayed National Museum, which will be like a museum looking at the history of the Emirate. As well, the Guggenheim Abu Dhabi is going ahead, which is a long-delayed project, but very exciting for those in the Emirate. And so they're going to build on institutions, and what they want to do now is build a broader ecosystem around culture to deliver a lot of jobs for their youth as they try and diversify away from oil. Okay, so a key motivation for all this arts investment is diversifying its economy away from oil. Um, How dependent is Abu Dhabi on its oil? Is this plan realistic? Well, Abu Dhabi is still dependent on oil, but it's less so than other places in the Gulf. And I think what they're trying to do is double down on this process of uh, broadening the, the economy away from oil. And they've identified creative industries as a key aspect of that drive. I don't think that there's anyone who believes that creative and cultural industries would be able to diversify our club's economy completely. But they've clearly identified that as one sector that will help them on that path. Mm. And if I understand, um, you know, rival Emirate Dubai is, is already a tourist destination. And it's partly because it takes advantage of its location on the flight path between Europe and Asia. Um, is Abu Dhabi hoping to pull off the same kind of trick? Well, Abu Dhabi certainly tried to ape the experience of Dubai. Dubai had very little oil, so diversified quickly into trade and then tourism. And its highly successful airline Emirates became a global long-haul specialist. Abu Dhabi did follow that path in trying to do the same thing with Etihad, but it didn't quite work out so well. I think in this circumstance, what we're seeing is that they've realized that creative industries have been a huge success in Dubai. Abu Dhabi wants to push ahead with that. And, you know, of course, Abu Dhabi's got a lot of oil wealth and can deploy this largesse liberally. So they will use that money in order to try and attract people into the capital, away from potentially places like Dubai, in order to develop that industry for themselves. How much of this game plan is a product of the pandemic, both in the sense that the oil industry in general is in flux because of the pandemic and environmental concerns, but also, you know, everybody's got all this pent up demand to travel and go places and they've got all this money in their pocket. So how much of this is due to the pandemic itself? 
well, Abu Dhabi has been highly proactive in this respect. I mean, part of the game for Abu Dhabi is that they sit on this vast amount of oil, which they're increasingly realizing they are not going to be able to exploit the entirety of their reserves. So there's a real race on for them to try and foster new revenue sources. So tourism is one of those, but they're thinking beyond just attracting Italian cruise ships. They also want to get into more vital sectors such as gaming and media, what they think are the, the sectors that they're going to be able to get their population to get interested in working in and delivering revenues going forward in the future. Simeon Kerr is our golf correspondent. Thank you, Simeon. You're welcome. Thanks. When some executives retire, they buy a Harley Davidson. Others hit the links. But if you're Jeff Bezos, you blast off into space. The Amazon CEO will step down this July and yesterday announced that two weeks after that, he'll fly to the edge of space on a spacecraft launched by his own company, Blue Origin. He would become one of the first civilians to leave the Earth's atmosphere, and he would also take the lead in the billionaire space race. Elon Musk and Richard Branson want to do the same thing, but using their own rocket ventures. Bezos plans to blast off on July 20th, a date probably not chosen at random. It's the same day American astronauts Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin landed on the moon 52 years ago. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit from a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.